normally the video games person here. I know that's where I normally come into this, but I have to talk to you both about something that isn't video games, and I don't know where else to do it. I'm absolutely here for that. Yeah. I tell you what, Laura, if you don't want to, if you don't (laughs) want to talk about video games, I am here to facilitate that desire. I support this bold new direction that you're taking on the podcast. It's nice to not talk about video games for a change. This is the future. And I'll say this, the the story I'm going to tell you today might lead to future weeks where we don't talk about video games because (gasps) this is an evolving story and it hasn't ended yet. Please, I can only come so many times. (laughs) I need to tell you about the greatest thread of spam emails I've been receiving for the last six weeks with an evolving narrative. Yes, looking forward to this. So back in mid-April, I started getting spam emails from... Bethia, who is some kind of future-telling psychic, and usually I spam all the spam emails straight away, but there was something about this one that I was like, I need to not spam this. I need to know where this is going. First of all, Bethia adamantly believes she knows my name, date of birth, and year of birth, which are all completely wrong, but she's very, very confidently stating them. Mm-hmm. So she she starts to, you know, starts off nice and easy. There's some kind of world-changing cosmic phenomenon and my destiny's at the center of it. Um she makes some vague claims about me having unlimited untapped supernatural potential soon to burst forth. <laughs> like this is this is the nice gentle entry starting point. She's, nice. you know, not wasting any time. And I don't know why I didn't spam this, but she's been emailing me basically once a day for 6 weeks. Some of them are mundane, but many of them have been building up some kind of ever-escalating plot that I can't look away from. Like, this is the only spam emails I ever read start to finish. So, like, a week in, she starts getting a bit more specific about the nature of my powers. (laughs) Apparently, I am a conduit for an all-powerful moon goddess who has chosen me for a divine purpose. Lucky. I am under the moon goddess's divine magical protection and am bracing for some kind of upcoming moment of global upheaval where my powers will be unleashed. I'm in. I'm in. Moon Goddess Laura, I'm all in. Here are the chips. All powerful, good Moon Goddess. Let's let's not diminish that. I am all powerful, don't you know? I'm sorry, your ladyship. I am not gonna <laughs> risk upsetting you now. All powerful. We just need to make sure that Laura's on the right side of the revolution, I guess. Right? I'm I'm going to do everything I can to appease. Do you want a train? I'll steal you a whole train. <laughs> well, see, you don't need to steal me a train. I can just manifest one oh with my, my all-powerful moon goddess ability. Oh my god. So she starts getting a bit more specific from here about, like, the lore and the world building. <laughs> There's a 4.5 billion year old meteorite talisman, which has started glowing with runes, and they perfectly match my name at date of birth. The things that she's got completely wrong, by yeah, the way. Of but, but, like, my name, my date date of birth, my star sign, all of it, it's glowing on the the four and a half billion year old talisman. (laughs) (laughs) So like, she she goes for like a month building up this story of like, my moon goddess powers are gonna gonna manifest. She starts putting in the little bits of, hey, you need to bet, you need to email me back because like, I need to guide you uh, on how to how to use these powers for good. That's her angle she keeps pushing. Right, so early May, 
she starts putting the pressure on of like, you need to get back to me. There's a big world ending event that we need your powers to prevent. Apparently there is a dark nebula forming in space. And only I, as the all-powerful moon goddess, under her guidance and tutelage, of course, can prevent the s- destruction that it's going to bring to the planet Earth. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and can I just clarify? Yeah. Um, that was not a light nebula. No, 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 it's dark. It's, it's a dark <laughs> nebula. That's the worst of the two. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, if you're going to pick between a light nebula and a dark nebula, you go light every time. Because at least then you can see what the fuck you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can, yeah, you can find the fire exit. I'm going to get through this as quick as I can, yeah, but there's a lot of bullshit we're doing today. So... She, she then starts telling me that there's a rare and powerful amulet she needs to give me oh. in order for my powers to be their strongest. She needs my address to send it to. How is she going to get the amulet? Yeah. Right. It's, it's unclear if this amulet is different to or the same as the four and a half million year old talisman she was talking about before. <laughs> she doesn't make it clear. <laughs> um, but... I have to give her my address so that I can get the the talisman or the amulet that's yeah. going to give me all of my my powers. Because and that's not written on the runes along with your accurate date of birth and name and everything. No, my address is not on on the runes. Apparently, interesting. But I need to get the amulet soon because it's going to be powered by the Megatron Megastar, Whoa. which is passing over the Earth very soon. So time's a factor. You got a deadline. Megatron's involved. <laughs> yes. Oh, this does not bode well. This is a Hasbro crossover. If Megatron's oh. involved, you know, I don't know that we can trust this. I mean, the, the future of the galaxy is at stake. Yeah, so at this point, the emails start getting more characters. We're introducing new characters to the, the narrative. Oh my god, I didn't even know there were characters. Oh yeah, there's more characters. We have Bethia, who's been, you know, my psychic advisor during all this. Of course, yeah. She introduces me to Bernard. Bernard is the person who's going to be, like, the main driving force of, like, the second act of the narrative. Mm. Bernard is an Enochian scholar who studies the pantheon of angels as they exist under the, the, the major world religions. He believes I exist at the nexus of some major religious event that's coming. Mm. Right. Like, y- you thought they couldn't escalate from Moon Goddess, but no, no, no. Religions have foretold me, apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, you are all powerful. Yeah. And usually, <laughs> you know, God gets the credit for that, but God ain't a Moon Goddess. Yeah. It's just regular type God. Here's the thing. He tells me my third eye is closed. He starts spamming me with religious images to try and awaken within me the knowledge of my religion significance. He's trying to sort of get me to realise on my own what my role in this is before he, you know, out and tells me. He's got to, he's got to really edge this out. It, it, it takes him about two weeks to actually tell me what the fuck is going on. Oh god, like like a story arc in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bethia keeps doing 24-hour protection spells on me one day at a time, but it's unsustainable and she needs me to gain my own powers as soon as possible because she can't can't keep doing the one-by-one spells mm-hmm. again. There's a time pressure here. Then we get another character. She pulls in James. James is here to confirm Bernard's findings because what they've discovered is such a major revelation, she wants to be certain before they tell me. Sure. I told her not to use my fucking name. I said no fucking names. <laughs> Bethia, Bernard, and James begin a group ritual to mentally and spiritually prepare me for the revelation. (laughs) Because I would mentally shut down if they simply told me. They need to prepare magic so that I can withstand the news. Uh, Ah, do you... 
Do you want to know what the reveal is at the end of this six weeks of plot build-up? Oh, God. Well, how far up the bridge to total freedom do you have to go? <laughs> so the reveal is that I'm not just channeling the all-powerful moon goddess, but I'm also the reincarnation of the Archangel Michael. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Checks out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with these emails so, other than keep receiving and reading them because they're wonderful. I am hooked on this narrative. It's the best fan fiction I've ever read. <sighs> so, Archangel Laura. Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> All-powerful? I feel pretty fucking all-powerful yeah. right now. This is, you know, it's not every day you get told you're an all-powerful moon goddess and also an archangel, so... Well, maybe it's not every day it happens to you. Well, That's true. of course. I, I tell Conrad all the time. It's constant. <laughs> so, I bring this up purely to say, next time you all grumble about talking about video games... Just, just, just think about the consequences of that. What more amazing stories? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Are we being punished in some way? I don't understand. Jesus Christ! I mean, I can't enjoy the Harry Potter films anymore because J.K. Rowling's a massive steaming turf. Thank God we have uh, Laura here. Now I've got yeah. the action adventure I crave. <laughs> so these are still arriving basically daily. Good. And I will let you know if I find out any future revelations oh, about yeah. where my What's going? North or south, <laughs> east or west, the quest to save the life of Pelama. It's going to be fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh. How are you both doing today? I'm, I'm better now. <laughs> yeah, it was bleak until this point. I feel moderate, quasi-powerful. <laughs> well, it's just the glow off the moon goddess. Yeah, reflective moon powers. I'll do my best to, you know, channel some of that power your direction. You know, I'm oh, supposed oh, to yeah. keep it for me. It's my all-powerful power, but I'll, I'll try and share it around as best I can. You see, this is this is how the world falls apart. Mm. You know, it's the, so, oh, it's all right. I'll be able to send a little bit of power to Steph. It'll be okay. I won't need all of this to save the world. I'm all-powerful. And then next thing you know, you spread it out about, you know, two, three dozen people and world's gonna end. Ah. Plus I won't use my bit of power responsibly. See, obviously the, the important thing to do is to concentrate all power in, you know, as few <laughs> people as possible. I, I think you're right. That's a very smart thing you said, Conrad. Yeah, I doubt you even need to go into double digits of percentiles. No, nice no, no. Ideally, you'd keep it, uh, like... Actually, as, as close to one percentile as possible, if you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally, if there's going to be two figures in there, there needs to be a decimal, and it needs to start with a zero. <sighs> so, <laughs> Steph, how are you doing this week? I think you had stuff you wanted to bring up before I got into story time. <laughs> I've got a vein on my fucking arm now. Yeah. Yeah. My choke slamming arm as well. Oh, Don't you worry about it. I can I, I, I just see it now. The first time you're, you're, you're the, the moment you're doing that choke slam, you lift them up and it just pops out the vein and it's there forever. Hell yeah. It's like in that moment, it just appears and remains with you the rest of your life. That's your Sean Phoenix Coke slam vein. My, 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 yeah. Coke my, slam. Coke slam. <laughs> Coke slam. Oh, God. Phoenix is straight edge. He'll be very offended. Yeah, he'd be very offended by that. Well, I mean, no no more offended than he is after this weekend. <laughs> Had some fun with him. Uh, uh, enjoy wrestling. Um, it's the name of the, 
fairly new promotion, and they're doing things I like. Their first season was really, really good. Really they had a, good. Uh, like a, I think four or five part season on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Really good wrestling. Yeah, amazing talent. Some of my favorites. You know, mm-hmm. Edith Surreal is there. Envy Young is there. Mister Grimm. Ziggy Heim. Um, Ziggy Heim. My God. Uh, David Lawless. Lee Moriarty. Lee Moriarty. Uh, Jesus oh. fucking Christ. Um, one of the biggest stars on the indies right now and with good reason. Um, but yeah, the Enjoy Wrestling YouTube channel does a seasonal weekly show called Canned Heat. I was not in season one, but I loved it. Which you should watch it. You should watch it even though Steph's not in it. No, yeah, you should. I loved it. And you'd see why I wanted to work with them. Uh, and have. So this weekend we taped season two. That'll air 6-17, June 17th, on their channel, Enjoy Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, so it'll run an episode a week. Uh, I will be in several of them. I will be in the first one. Um, and I, I may do one of my lifties. No. May do one of my lifty slammies, which is just, it's just a thing I do now. It's what I do. I chokeslam people. What of it? Yeah. I mean, surely you have no trouble doing that. You are all powerful. Well, I've got my vein arm, haven't I? I'm going to be like Kane, mate. I'm going to have strong arms and wear lifts. <laughs> then I'll be tall and steppy. I'll chokeslam top rope clothesline. It'll be brilliant. Been lifting good, you see? Been lifting good, and I tell you what, walking every day now after the polyam cult party helped fix me back, and I'm like, I've got to stay active here. The energy I had this weekend was something I'd not felt in many, many years. Just the stamina and the fact I could not get jellied legs from entering, that's good. My entrance doesn't blow me up anymore, so I was able to jump about and skip around, skipping and yelling, I'm a wrestler. Yay! Uh, So, yeah, I'm really pleased with myself and the performance, and I haven't seen any of it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. And also, Enjoy is just amazing, just really good to the talent. Catering? Catering? There's catering. I've never seen catering <laughs> in my life. They fed you. And more than one bathroom. <gasps> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on a second. What kind of fancy pants upper crust life are you living now? <laughs> I mean, it must it must be a fucking promotion run by moon goddesses or something. It's too powerful. They paid people in bathrooms and catering? Oh, no, they they had lots of salads and crisps that they brought in. And pizzas, because they had a sponsorship from a pizza place. And a shitload of pizzas. I was setting you up for a joke about how and they paid them, oh my god, but, you know. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mis- I misinterpreted. Yeah, it's alright. At first I thought that's where it was going, but then further information threw me off the track. Mmm, <laughs> that's my bad, you know. You, you really need to keep- Just the bare minimum. I should have edited that joke more. Yeah, overproduction confuses me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to steer us towards video games. It's Podquisition. We ostensibly talk about video games. One last thing. Oh, oh, okay, okay. One last thing. June 19th. Mm. Other reminder. God, I wish I could get a final fucking confirmation so I could tell you whether or not I'm streaming it. I'll just fucking say that right now. I don't know yet. By the time this comes out, we might know the answer Hopefully. to that question, but... But Rise Returns, the that's the name of the show, June 19th. It's in Pittsburgh. Uh, tickets still, I think some still available, so 
if you're in or around the Pittsburgh area, look up Rise, you know, details. Uh, I think they're risewrestling.com. R-Y-S-E wrestling.com, Rise Wrestling, and get tickets there. And hopefully I will be able to live stream it on my own channel. I don't know yet. We're still finalizing details at the time of talking. Uh, but either way, we're looking into live streaming it, so it should be available live somewhere, if not on my channel. But that'd be the most convenient, wouldn't it? It would be. Uh, yeah. So, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see. Um, either way, uh, that's June 17th for Enjoy Wrestling and June 19th for Rise, uh, where I will be getting the belt back. I will be having Ziggy Heim hand the Rise Grand Championship back to the region. It's going to be a very good day, and you'll get to see me in my silver dress. Mm. All right, we'll have some games. Conrad, you did a game. You haven't talked much yet this episode. What did you play? I don't talk much any episode. What are you talking about? I think there's a oh. bingo card for Podquisition that says Conrad is silent for 10 minutes on one of the spaces. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I actually played a bunch of games this week. Um, did? Yeah. Uh, so, well, okay, something we can, you know, a couple of people can talk about at least. I played that uh, Necromunda hired gun. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. yeah. They really seem to want to make a Doom, like a modern Doom pressure type action shooter with the Warhammer 40k trappings. Yeah. And they're somewhat successful. Yeah, that's what I would say. It's somewhat successful. They're focus home interactive successful at it. Right. I think the combat's actually pretty fun. It is, it is. really overwhelming um, at times. It doesn't play well for my general strategy in these sorts of games, which is to sort of gradually push myself forward. This wants you to be very aggressive. Yeah. A lot of ducking and weaving, and it's very, it's a very quick game. It's a very quick game. Uh, Casey Explosion, um, who ha seems to really like it, drew some comparisons to Vanquish in the movement, which I can kind of see. Uh, it doesn't feel as controlled as Vanquish. No, but it's, it's, it's the same slidey bang bang. Yeah, it's that same sort of thing. And one main difference is I like Necromunda Hide Gun. Mmm... Really? Didn't I didn't like Vanquish. I didn't like Vanquish much either, because but that that's because this isn't my style of game. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. Yeah. I didn't get on with Necromunda at first. I think I was trying to play it wrong. The way it's set up, I was going in thinking less doom or something like Bulletstorm, where it's like, oh I've got to keep wall running and shooting and jumping mm. like to try and do cool things. And I'm sure there are many people who are doing that. And there is that bonus, you know, you get a little aim assist if you wall run and shoot. But I don't think I've killed anything while wall running. Can't do it. I did kill one enemy oh. wall running once. Nice. And it, it felt really satisfying. But I'll, I will say this for the wall running, maybe it's different on keyboard and mouse. Maybe people won't struggle with it the way I did. I've heard, at least Casey told me, because we were talking about this, because I was struggling and wondering if it was the controller. But apparently it's really not that great with mousey keyboard either. There's a, an area, like in the tutorial section of the game, the, you get to do the wall run once, and it's like, all right, cool, this functions. And then it wants you to do the wall run jump to other wall wall run maneuver. Yes, I've never executed it. Oh, it's not just me. No, no. I, I spent a solid 10 minutes running in that little loop trying to get that to work. I tried dozens of times. Yeah. I can do it a bit, 
but it feels so untrustworthy. I can't get it to commit to that second run. Yeah. Like, uh, and, you know, trying to move the camera. It seems like I'm not facing it forward enough as I jump off. I never feel quite like I'm in the right position for the acrobatics. Yeah. Yeah. And then because I'm tensed up and the dash dodge mechanic is tied to the left thumbstick, what would happen a lot of times is I'd accidentally click that and dash to the left completely away from where oh. I was supposed to go. Oh, I see. You know, and that's just me not knowing how to control a yeah. character, but... It was a bit of an issue. Eventually, that is the way I got around that section was I just did the wall run, jumped, and then dashed to the platform without ever hitting the other wall. And that, to its credit, is at least so far, I'm I'm not mega far in, but it does seem like you've got enough wibbly wobbly jumpy bouty maneuvering yeah that if it if you can't get through the way it's intended you can at least do like a a botch job of it Mm -hmm. and it pretty quickly starts just sort of piling in the mobility enhancements you know the double jump comes real quick oh it's so good as well it is it's an excellent double jump uh the grapple i i like less mostly just because it's really hard for me to figure out what the range on it is there's a lot of things that i feel feel like it should connect with and drag me up and then just come a little short. I'll have to see if upgrades are available, but I also sort of miss the way the grapple worked in Doom with the shotgun, mm-hmm. where, you know, you zip forward and it, it basically it launches into an attack. I, I don't know if that's something that can be unlocked, but I don't think that's in this. You can obviously close in on an enemy and then press square. And if the gun doesn't reload... If you get lucky, you'll do a takedown move. Some of it's a little bit unreliable, Yeah, um, the input and, and maneuvering. But I am having a lot of fun with it. I didn't at first. I spoke to Casey a little about it, and she was talking about like how she just does the, the dive forward, the slide mm-hmm. on the ground, and just unload bullets in faces. And I've been doing some of that. I've also gotten a lot more used to ducking left, right, and backwards and, and just getting a little more mobile. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm getting on with it better than I thought I would when I first started playing it and was like, oh, this is a game that I'm going to suck tremendously at. Uh, and I'm not great at it, Yeah, but... I'm having a laugh, and I'm a little overwhelmed by the sheer volume of upgrades and the way they're set up on the screen. Loot is a thing. Mm. Uh, Now, and don't get me wrong, I love this over the alternative in a game like this, where every gun just feels the fucking same, right? Yeah, I like this. A bolter feels like a bolter. I'm not mega into Warhammer. Um, I've got enough of an interest to appreciate stuff like that. I'm in about the same boat there. Yeah. I love the aesthetic. I think that the setting of Warhammer 40k is absolutely fascinating. And, and I think that the culture surrounding Warhammer 40k is also kind of interesting. Mm. I have uh, never so easily found groups of people who didn't get the message of the art that they were obsessed with (laughs) so easily as I have in Warhammer communities. (laughs) My brother started painting up uh, some 40k miniatures and stuff. Really good. I keep saying I'd love to paint again. I've been considering it because Mass Effect 3, which I'll talk about later, keeps making me think of Warhammer 40k with some of the visual designs. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. I've been thinking about it, but it's... 
God, it's so pricey. Yeah, and and it would be morally wrong to find uh, various websites that 3D print reproductions of official Games Workshop miniature figurines that are of a really remarkably high quality at a fraction of the price Games Workshop charges for them. That would be an incredibly immoral thing to do, and I'm glad that no one listening or on the show would do that. So yeah, Necromunda is yeah. pretty good. Um, the mission-based structure of it is, I like that it's there, but it's also the thing that's ultimately going to get me to stop playing it. Yeah. Because I'm already like, oh, I could just do a mission, you know, and spend five minutes in this game and then quit. And then I'm going to look at the campaign mission. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a long time. I don't know if I want to do that. It, yeah, they are pretty lengthy. Yeah. And if you die... Enough times, if you run out of, of healing and die, yeah. you die. Yeah. Uh, you can revive with a thingy, but otherwise you start from the beginning, and they can be fairly lengthy. Yeah, they're they're quite quite a stretch on some yeah. of them. So. But I am finding the moment-to-moment combat really fun, because I like how fast it is. If they can tighten up the controls, yes. then they will be able to... Then that is a game where there is no inconvenience getting between the player and the action, at least when action's going on. Most first-person shooters, I have to make some sort of adjustment to camera speed yeah. on the analog. I really had to to drop it hard here. It is an incredibly sensitive camera. Yeah. I was going to get some aim assist on it since I am playing on console, and they've got options for like high aim assist, low or default. And I only wanted a bit Mm -hmm. just to get a little, you know, with the controller help. It's the one setting in the menu that won't save. Mm, That's odd. So it defaults to, even though there is a default option, the actual default is none. Right. And it will save every other setting, at least the ones I've tried. But not that. And I'm not sure if it's the developers just sticking a middle finger up at people like (laughs) me. Or a mistake. But since then, I've actually coped. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing okay. I'm still missing a lot because it's just such a fast game and, and everything. I found that trying to iron sight it is usually a waste of time. Oh, yeah. Pro- you're probably right. I don't know. I really... That's just how I play those games. Yeah. Right? I, I, I sort of methodically work my way through a room, you know, holding position and moving when necessary. And this is just not that. You will be overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. The enemies aren't super spongy. No. In fact, you can one hit kill at almost every single one of them. Yeah. It's hilarious and sickening because of how wobbly the camera is with the mm-hmm. top down animations. But my God, the camera goes... Like an Uwe Boll fight scene. Yeah. It's that bad. But you can just walk up to almost every enemy or slide up to almost every enemy and then just engage in some of the most brutal execution moves I've seen. And there's a pretty good variety of those. And that is actually the strategy that I am now almost exclusively employing is sliding in and eliminating any of the smaller enemies that can be one hit killed in melee before dealing with whatever other enormous nonsense gets flung at you. (laughs) 
That'd be a good name for this game, actually. Enormous nonsense. That it is. It is <laughs> yeah. a lot of enormous nonsense. But yeah, that's my strategy when I'm near death. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm near death. I'm better run up and one hit kill everything. Well, but that, it, it's rewarded with health, so yes. you know. Yeah. Yeah, these little elements of Doom that aren't quite as good as Doom, but could be with a few tweaks. Yeah. Like the one hit kills. Just straight up rip off Doom totally. and have it where you weak them, weaken them a bit and then they flash and then you can do it. Because the way they're doing it right now with it tied to the reload button is a lot of the time I'm reloading and it's the enemies can like they're constantly on the move. Yep. And it's not a massive window to bring up the prompt to get the difference between reloading and taking down. So Well, the proximity is pretty low that you have to yeah. be. You have to be pretty close to them. And they do move all the time. Nobody sits still. And the argument would be, well, it shouldn't be easy, but... Certainly. That's why I say go fully commit to the Doom route on it. And But you know, we also have to, like, contrast that with how incredibly dumb the AI just is. Like, it just marches towards you. Yeah. That's what they do. They march towards you, and it does not matter if there is a very clear, like, obstruction of line of sight that would prevent them from shooting you. When they are ready to shoot, they shoot. That said, I did see one of them hiding. Oh, really? I saw one of them actually waiting behind a a pillar for me. Huh. And I could tell it was waiting as well because I had um, activated the... (laughs) um, Cyber Mastiff. <laughs> I love the Cyber Mastiff. Oh, what a name. What a good boy. What Cyber a good, good boy. Mastiff. But you can see enemies through walls and stuff. So I can actually see this one like gun up, just sort of up against the wall, just waiting. I mean, it could have been the AI glitched and was accidentally smart. But I think some of them are clever. I'm also upset at the sheer number of dogs that I have to kill in this game. There's a lot of, of yeah, I mean, they're manky dogs. They're manky dogs, but... You know, to try and, and make you feel a little less guilty, but you have to kill a lot of the dogs. I've become horribly desensitized because I've played so many games where killing and hunting animals and yeah. being attacked by dogs is, is normal. I mean, I was so desensitized to it. Hell, I was desensitized to doing it in The Last of Us so that when they tried to make me feel bad about killing one of them, I couldn't give a shit. Uh, Dogs are just in the way now. So anyway, Necromunda Hired Gun's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. A little janky. A little janky. But if you if you don't mind that. I get lost in the maps as well, I should point mm-hmm. that out. I, get, I tend to get lost. Which is weird because it is so aesthetically interesting and it does feel like a place where you should be able to remember landmarks and yet I can't. Yeah. Because mm. it's like, it's really strong art direction, but it's there's still quite a few samey corridors yeah. connecting things. And they have these green lights to help you find your way and and a, an objective marker. And for the most part, they're, they're pretty functional. But they are vague at times Mm -hmm. real vague and sometimes the if you try and follow them too closely and try and follow the objective marker you're like where the hell am i meant to go and it's like there was unexpected verticality in an area and you just couldn't get a good indication that you should go up you just don't get enough information between you get enough information to sort of vaguely get around based on these two things but if you had like a third indicator of some kind yeah to triangulate then it might work and there's lots of green lights yeah that all look different when you know it might have been better to have had them a little more 
coded so that you could actually see mm. um, the different... Like, you could just... I just need to tell when I've got to go vertical. Plus... Uh, interactive buttons and things are also green and I got lost at one point because there was an elevator button I just didn't notice among yeah. the other flashy green and I was trying to follow the objective marker which just don't do it folks <laughs> I need to check this out it sounds good yeah, it's yeah. Pretty good. yeah. yeah. would you play Laura? Uh, I've done a lot of trying little bits of different things I played a bit of Knockout City mm-hmm which is EA's online multiplayer dodgeball game. Fuck EA. How's that game? Uh, fuck EA indeed. Um, I gave it a try because Game Pass comes with EA Play and it Hell was on there, so I was like, fuck it, I'll give it a go. It feels like it wants to be EA's answer to something like Splatoon. It is essentially a very short round, fast-paced, child-friendly first-person shooter dressed up as not shooting mechanics. Yeah. Has it got microtransactions? Um, yeah, fuck it. Of course it fucking does. I would absolutely never use the term child friendly then yeah i i it just hit me i'm like we should absolutely push back on the idea that those games are kid friendly if they've got microtransactions what a good yes. idea i just had round of applause for me to be clear non-violent it is a non-violent take on a first-person shooter falsely rated as suitable for children yeah, yes so there's a lot about it that just it feels generic as hell the character designs are instantly forgettable and really, really not engaging. The core gameplay, uh, fun, if a little bit... Mm, how, do, how do I put this? It sometimes feels like the game is over before it's had a chance to really get started. Right. It is very fast-paced. Like the Venom film. I, I suppose so. <laughs> it, is, it is very much a just jump in, go, 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 ten kills, game over, which team won, keep going. Yeah. Let there be carnage. So it is very light on mechanics. You have a jump, and if you do the jump button again in, in midair, you do a glide. You've got a dash if you want to knock a ball out of someone's hands. But it's generally throw the ball. Uh, it'll automatically target people if there's someone in range. It's more about the timing of when you throw it at them, trying to get them at a moment they're not looking at you so that you can hit them. Uh, and you, your other shoulder button is catch a ball being thrown at you if you time it right. It's the kind of game that you have to be good at parry timing mechanics for, because the main thing is you don't really have a defense against people throwing balls at you other than noticing they're going to do it and timing correctly a catch the ball midair to stop them. You get some on-screen indicators, like the edge of the screen will start to pulse red where someone is aiming at you, so you sort of know oh, there's someone over there I should pay attention to. They mix it up a little bit with, with different types of, like, every round of this game you play will have a special effect ball type that will do something unique, like this one will make you jump in low gravity while you're holding it, or this one will catch a, the other player in a, in a trap for a moment. But it's basically just try and find players who haven't noticed that you're aiming at them and throw a ball at them until you've done that a bunch. I didn't have a bad time with it. It is fairly one note. There's not much in the way of variety to change up the experience from game to game. Uh -huh. it, was, it wasn't a bad time to spend, like, I spent maybe an hour or so playing it and was like, yeah, the time went past fast. I will forget absolutely everything I felt about it by the end of the day, but... These are the games they want now. Yeah. Oh, there's a bad future coming. There is a bad future coming. There's a bad future coming. Hey, hey, we made something generic and kind of not particularly interesting, but there's microtransactions in it, therefore... Yeah, 
it literally exists for those. Like, they're predatory economies with gameplay attached. And looking at some of the mobile games, and you know the publishers are looking at those with interest, and have published some mobile games that are the same thing. Um, these self-playing games where you can barely even say they've got a game attached. It's just a vector for microtransactions. It's just an economy, a yeah. little nasty vicious economy and the thing with this one is that all of the characters designs when you start playing the game are so painfully generic and cookie cutter and completely unseparated from anyone like no one looks different to anyone else i hate to be conspiratorial but there is a bit of me that's like is is that deliberate to push? That's probably deliberate to push you towards microtransactions because, my God, all of the default characters are just... It's tough to tell there's a difference between most of them. <sighs> so it wasn't a bad time, but it's very, very forgettable. What about both of you? Have you played anything? Uh, I played more Biomutant. Why did you go back to it? You knew last week it was bad. <laughs> well, I was... <laughs> I wanted to like it and I didn't despise it. And I was like, I saw promise, but I played it until I was bored. That was the thing. And I, yeah. I was saving a bit more gameplay to play on live stream because it was a fairly easy enough game to stream. Yeah. Cause there's fucking nothing, nothing mentally engaging to do in it. Yeah. <laughs> and partway through the stream, I suddenly turned bored with Biomutant and the rest of the stream was a struggle and I played with a werebear instead. <laughs> yeah, I got bored of it midstream and I never want to play it again now. I believe a patch will be out or is out already as we talk, but will be out by the time this goes up. I'm in great timing for my impressions video, of course. <laughs> um, I'm not sure everything... I know they've reduced the amount of time that the narrator runs his fucking mouth. Yeah, so uh, here's, here's a list of what they've updated in the patch that it'll be up by the time people listen to this. The loot drop chance in the tutorial has changed to try and speed up the opening area a bit. Okay. Conversations in the opening have been shortened down a lot. Like, you know that first flashback to childhood where oh, yeah. characters just... Just witter on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. They've cut down those conversations a bit. Like they've cut out some of the repetitive dialogue. Apparently, mm -hmm. they've shut the narrator up a bit. You can entirely turn off the narrator now. Apparently, when talking to NPCs, so you just hear the blah 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 blah, blah, blah and see the on-screen text. Okay, which that's, that's the big. That was the biggest thing. I was like, I, I'd have probably stuck with it longer if I could have done that. Yeah, they didn't need the narrator for that shit. No. Yeah, like I'm. I'm might might have a look um i mean i've got i've got necromunda now i might have a look you have a game you're actually enjoying <laughs> yeah i mean the way some commenters have made out it's like oh this is revolutionizing it like oh this this is now way more enjoyable but if they've just truncated a few bits, like a lot of that wasn't even my main complaint like yeah. in in my video i did complain about the narrator in passing but the rest of it seems if you know a lot of my stuff was just how dull the gameplay was from looking at the patch it has done nothing to change the weird floaty combat the terrible mission structure the morality system that it keeps telling you is amazing yeah well then my video stands it's going to be a little less waffly at the start and you can turn the narrator off entirely the fuck if you want but yeah that doesn't fundamentally fix this game and good on the devs for 
Yeah. You know, responding to the feedback promptly and going for that. Like I, I said in my video, it's not for a want of trying, I don't think, this game. I think it's trying its best. For whatever reason, that's not good enough. It could be budget. It could be time. I mean, it's been delayed several times. It's a small team. But it does reek of a game that was so much more ambitious than the final result. But you can see the vestiges of the ambition. This, un like, what feels like an unfinished, unfleshed out morality system. And stuff like that. A really yeah. repetitive cut and paste dialogue. Where it feels like that could have been a placeholder. I mean... On stream, towards the end, I finished a quest line and the game just gave up <laughs> and just said, do you want to skip the rest of the quest lines? Because you've got more important stuff to do. And I said, yes, yes, I would. And someone in the stream chat said, you'll miss out on the tribe weapons. And I said, oh, fucking well. Oh no, I won't get What's-His-Face's boomerang. Oh, I won't get no. that boomerang shit. I did get the boomerang. The boomerang's shit. The, the boomerang's shit. Quite nice, but then I made an axe thing that was better. I mean, that's the other thing, is the patch fixed that. The fact that I put so much of my um, skill points into intelligence and nope. whacked up the psi powers, nope. but hitting things with a stick will always be better. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, all you want in that game is high health, high strength, so that you can hit stuff yeah. with a stick better and take hits better. And so meaningless is it, is the stat distribution, apparently, that I haven't fucked my character up. I can still hit things with melee, and it's still amazingly effective. But I feel like the game could have been a cakewalk if I just put everything into strength. Yeah. So many powers. They're all useless. I think someone in the stream chat said it's because it doesn't crit or something. I don't know what it is, but I know that it doesn't feel right. Every yeah. time that I try and use the flame dash where I'm like, oh, I'll aim at an enemy, use the flame dash, it'll it like set them on fire or something. And somehow... It points me away from the enemy and the fire's nowhere near them. Like, I yeah. don't know why my lock-on stops working when I'm trying to use abilities. I mean, uh, you know, using my, my psi powers, I've got a thing, and, and the mutations as well. I've got a thing where I can fire off, like, loads of nuclear purple missile things. Mm. And they just keep shooting out constantly and draining my energy as I do it. And while I'm doing that, I'm firing off electrical bolts. At the end of what could only be described as a fucking barrage yeah something should be dead one thing yeah and then the guns my god why even include them the guns are terrible but i'm glad they included them because when there's a weird difficulty spike it's the only way i'm gonna fucking progress oh, is true. stay at a distance strafing and shooting yeah because i made the mistake of like well i don't want to do melee so I'll back up the, uh, because I don't need points for it, I'll back up the, or like skill points, I'll back up the intelligence with some gun skills mm. and try and get good guns. So I could be firing off all of my magic barrage and then while my energy is recharging, fire off the guns. And then I just give up and get involved in the shitty Arkham Asylum melee combat because it's just quicker and ultimately a bit more satisfying, even though nothing feels like it truly connects. Yeah. Some people love this game. I'm glad they do. I'm happy for those people, but I'm not seeing it. Someone in the comments was very upset on the Patreon. Yeah. Um, they seemed quite huffy and good for them. I mean... 
Look, you you can love you can love it, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I I don't get it. I'll say that I don't get yeah. it. If you love the game, I don't get it. But people spend money more money than this game's worth. I think um, to have fun, and I wouldn't wish for them to not have fun with something they bought. So if you're enjoying it, good. I know Lucky Bun really loves it. I don't get how pretty colours. Though, yeah, pretty colours wrapped around ugly, <laughs> ugly rat monsters. Uh, Conrad, what have you played? You've done loads. I have, I have done loads. You've so, done loads. Tell us about more things. Uh, speaking of pretty colours, uh, Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection just came out on Ooh. PC. Ooh. And so I played that. It's hard. Yes, it is. It is, it is a Ghosts and Goblins game. Yeah, I don't like those games. Thank you very much. I think you have to be a specific sort of masochist to truly love those games. It is very well made. It is everything I hate about them. <laughs> what um, got you playing it? I just, I saw it was out and I was like, you know what? I'm curious to see what they've done. And visually, I love the update. It looks great. But then I feel it in contrast to how the movement has not changed at all, and I know it's such a defining aspect of the series, but God, it feels extra painful seeing this beautiful art and the stiltiness of the movement makes the animation worse. Uh. But I like the upgrades. You can find these little lumen things in the environment, and you collect enough of them, and you can put them on a tree, and it grows out with different magic abilities and, and such that you can... Earn. That's cool. I'm into that. As I was playing it, I was legitimately surprised at how like considerate it was in its checkpointing. Yeah. Until. <laughs> so each, the way the game is structured, you have branching paths within the levels that you can choose from. And so the first two levels are actually really similar to older Ghouls and Ghosts, Ghosts and Goblins levels. Um, even down to the bosses that are there. They're recurring Cyclops bosses with different enemy patterns, but still the same entity. Um, Red Armor's appearance is delightful and just what you'd want, and it, it fucking hate that thing. But then I get to the second set of stages, and first off, there was a climbing sequence mm. in one of them where you're climbing up floating steps that are, you know, the, it was a stairway, and then the stairway breaks apart and goes into floating segments that move up and down. And have just a tiny little gap between them that's just enough to overshoot sometimes. Or it's just enough to accidentally hit the edge of a particularly tall thing that you meant to clear, but didn't quite. I haven't even seen it. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Hang on. So you, you try like eight, nine times to get up there. And it's one of those, the way the gaps are between them, they're staggered. So you're not going to fall to your death unless you're falling from the bottom row of them. You're just going to fall all the way down to the bottom row of them. Like that getting over it game. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't die from fall at all. Huh. I did die a couple times from damage. From all the fucking things flying around there and the number of times I would have to repeatedly attempt it. And then when you get all the way up to the top, one of those little collectible fucking things appears in a place that in order to get it, you would have to jump out of this 
<laughs> climbing thing that you've done and do the whole fucking thing again. <laughs> <laughs> fucking pricks. Hope you don't miss it and have to do it another time like I did. Fucking pricks. <laughs> and then you get to the boss of this area, which is a flying dragon boss that you have to run around on the back of the dragon and avoid its little shock waves that it sends back. And it does a pattern and that's phase one. And, you know, it gives you the impression you could be doing damage to it. Mm -hmm. At this point, you can hit it in the head and the head lights up red. But no, you can't. That's fruitless. Just try to avoid all the spikes, which, by the way, chances are at least one of the 12 is going to fucking hit you along the way. So expect to go in with some damage to the next phase where it flies in. It either flies in a horizontal pattern across the screen, only moving towards you when it starts to get in proximity, and then you can hit it in the head and then it directs itself straight up after a few hits, or it will fly directly towards you and fire fireballs, but you can't tell which it's gonna do until it gets on screen. There's not enough distance on screen for you to appropriately adjust for it, and you can no longer land on its back because now that does damage to you. As you hit it in this section of the fight, each time you hit it reduces its size by little segments until it gets smaller and a little faster and that's that's cool it eventually becomes easier to avoid but god love you if you've got anything more than your skivvies on by the time you do and you can be hit multiple times now with the you know in the armor in this it's you you get three hits on the squire squire difficulty i think which is like the normal yeah it's generous yeah it, it is it's pretty generous I have made it to the next phase of this fight where now it's just a disembodied dragon head firing shit and I think it's expecting me to move again. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Mm. I'd have been done first level. As I'd said, the checkpointing's pretty good until you hit this point. There's no checkpoint in the midst of this boss fight. Mm. So you have to do the whole stretch and it's lengthy and precise. And I respect it, but like the, you know, murderous implement of death that it is, I am not going to fuck around with Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection too much anymore. No. Yeah. 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 Once, just to see. Yeah. Just to see more than one level of Ghosts and Goblins. I save-stated my way. Like, I save-scummed through it. And even doing that is... It's too irritating. It's outrageous, yeah. I, mm. I, it does have local co-op. Ooh. And I am curious to try that. So I think that um, um, I have uh, Linda Camiolo on my Monday night streams, Conrad After Dark, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I think we might play a bit of that next week because I'm very curious to see the, how well yeah. the co-op works at least. But other than that, no thank you. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, oh, oh. And it's also one of those games that loves to, like, patronizingly tell you what to do if you failed a few times. Uh, you know? Capcom in it. They love that shit. Yeah. And, and in this dragon boss, oh, oh, you motherfuckers. Uh, like, they got one for the first phase if you're struggling there. And then you move on to the second phase, and it says you're almost halfway there. That's how it starts the message. <laughs> but it also chose to give it to me the first time I got there, and then give me information I already fucking figured out. I hate that shit. Mm. And it keeps giving it to me. Along with the retry on an easier difficulty setting suggestion. Oh. All right, I'm done. I'm done being mad about it. It, no. it's, it's a very oh. good Ghosts and Goblins game. Enjoy your Ghosts and Goblins game, <laughs> fuckos. <laughs> I 
I played a couple of quick things I can I can rattle out. Uh-huh. I started playing through The Wild at Heart. Ooh, I've heard good things. Yeah, so this is a game it's on it's on Game Pass at the moment. The best way I can explain this game's energy is what if one of those top-down era Zelda games was also a Pikmin and the story was basically where the wild things are. Okay. That's my best way of explaining it. So it is a, a sort of top-down action-adventure game, but you have a couple of tools that are lifted from other game genres and sort of mashed together a little bit. You've got an equivalent of uh, Luigi's ghost vacuum cleaner from Luigi's Mansion. You've got a big sucking vacuum. You've got very clearly Pikmin knockoffs, but they're shaped like little vegetables. So it's like, ah, oh, here's a little onion fella with a face that you can throw at enemies or you can use them to break down projectiles or go pick up items for you that you can't reach, stuff like that. I'm looking it up now. It's very pretty. It's got a really lovely art style. It's all... Mm. It looks very sort of hand-drawn 2D stuff, but in a... 3D space. Yeah, it reminds me of Pigeon Street. Now, that's a reference not many people are going to get. But it's not one I get. <laughs> it's this sort of animation where you can tell, or it looks like individual cut-out characters yeah. being manually moved. It's very nice. Yeah. Narratively, the conceit that gets the narrative going is you're playing as a little kid who, it's very heavily implied, dad is alcoholic and abusive so you run away from home and then you get lost in the woods and now you're in a magical forest land where you're probably going to at some point deal with the consequences of life again but for now we're off on a magical adventure not dealing with that what is the soundtrack like because the music in this uh release date trailer was really nice oh the music's really wonderful throughout i've I've played like i've played maybe three and a half four hours of it so far All of the music has been really nice. All of the character designs have been very solid. The writing of the characters has been very fun. And mechanically, it's pretty simple. What if Pikmin were in Zelda? You do your little adventuring, you solve overworld puzzles, you do little bits of combat, but also you have your little group of things you can throw around. Mechanically, it's not pushing the boat out. It sometimes feels a little... Sometimes you will find yourself doing things and go like, okay, I've I've shown you that I can do that game. Do you really need to make me keep doing it? But... The charm of the visuals and the music and the narrative are enough that, like, those moments haven't bothered me too much. I don't want to say too much more about it, but it's a really charming game that I think you should check out. It is very wholesome and very... I I, I feel like it's going to be something special by the time I'm done with it. It does look nice. Yeah. I, I'm interested. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the way quickly... I jumped back into playing Fortnite for the first time in God knows how long. Oh my gosh. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what brought me to do it. I think it's because the fucking Epic and Apple lawsuit's been going on. I've been like, you know what? I did enjoy Fortnite when I was playing it. I'm curious what, if anything, is different years down the line. Um, So the main thing that feels really different is how much more front and centre all of their cross-promotion stuff with other brands has become since like, I was playing it about the same time as Steph when it first came to the Switch where we were both playing it for a while when you boot it up now, before you can play online, it's like you've got to do a little story mission to catch you up on the fucking plot of Fortnite this little narrative mission where it's like oh hey, there's there's Ripley fighting some Terminators while Sarah Connor fights some some aliens, Kratos and Master Chief are fighting each other, 
Ryu from Street Fighters attacking a predator. Your Lara Croft with a weird interdimensional gun. Like that. They're very, very, like, please pay attention to the fact that brands are here. Brands are the most important thing in life. That's the thing. Like, they won't let you just boot up the game and now today and go, I just want to jump into the multiplayer. It's like, no, we have to show you all the brands we have first. How else would I know it's okay to be gay if not for the brands? Did you not see Goofy and Mickey Mouse (laughs) marching across... Almost as if they're walking <sighs> on it, Disney. <sighs> Pride flags. Hey, Disney, I'll let you get away with this shit when you put one explicitly gay, prominent character who gets to speak and is not just confirmed as gay in outside material in any one of your films ever. Yeah. Then we can talk. If Goofy's walking across a pride flag, he better be essing some D. No, even then we can't talk. That's that's not even that's that's too low a bar. No, 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 no. Laura, Laura, Laura. They're putting rainbows on stuff. I mean, what more could you ask for? <laughs> Is it actually playing Fortnite when they let me stop looking at all the brand marketing materials and play the the video game? Um, there's some there's some interesting new stuff going on. The main difference playing it today, they've added in like creatures that are not other players that will hunt you down on the map sometimes. Like I fought off a Velociraptor and some wolves, and the deal with those is that they can smell you if they're nearby, which means that you have a reduced ability to just find a hiding spot and stay there and sort of go, aha, no one will find me because the game's like, I mean, we know where we are. We're going to send some shit to come attack you so that you can't just camp there. Also, I got grabbed by a UFO at some point that picked me up and it dropped me off somewhere and then I had full health. So I guess thank you, aliens. Other than that, it's the, the map's changed a bit, but it's, it, it continues to be Fortnite. I managed to get one Battle Royale victory and then stopped playing. I was like, there we go. I'm not going to succeed at that again, so it's fine. I'll just walk away. Fortnite continues to be a fun game. I, I, I definitely burnt myself out on it when I played it when it came to Switch. But I'm like, I don't hate the idea of playing a bit more of it. No, no, no it, uh, Laura... It's not a game. It's a it's a metaverse. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes, I don't hate this metaverse. No, that's the thing. I hate the bit where it's trying to make me engage with its metaverse. I want to play a video game, not. So it's just like real life. You hate the parts where you have to interact with the rest of it. You just want to play the game. I mean, yeah. So they're succeeding on their goal of making a metaverse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Fortnite continues to be Fortnite, except now you can't play it without ten minutes of look at all the properties we have. Uh, has anyone else played anything else this week? Uh, Conrad's played loads still. Yeah, yeah I played Maneater. Oh. <gasps> it's all right, that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't control that shark for shit. <laughs> Damn that camera, do not love me. It's really cool. Like, m- mechanically, I'm so into it. But it, it takes some adjusting to get the the feel of movement and controlling combat and uh, just keeping awareness around you because of where the camera tends to be positioned, how easily enemies can get around behind you. I love the sense of humor. Chris Parnell doing that narration is delightful throughout. I like the framing of a stupid, ridiculous reality show. Yeah, there's good stuff there. I will probably play more. It is... Again, a thing that I know going in that I'm never going to finish it, that I'm going to play it until I get bored or distracted. And that's fine because it is it is satisfying to just sort of 
roam around, eat things, and get bigger. Who doesn't love that? That that I mean it describes a lot of my my life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like that. Like in Man Eater. Glad I uh I, I got that from Game Pass to play. Is there anybody else or I played Mass Effect three. Oh yeah. Yeah. Finished yeah. Mass Effect two now. Very much enjoyed it. Right. Mass Effect three is just a straight up action game and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can sprint now for a while. Yes. You can sprint longer than I can in real life now. That's one of those changes that I wish when they said this this remaster was going to bring a bunch of quality of life changes to the old game. This is the kind of shit that would have been nice to have in the old yeah. games. It helps no one. These fucking staminas for these sprints help no one. It's not fun. It's not a challenge. It did nothing to harm Mass Effect 3. It only made it better. Every time I sprint, I grin. If it was contextual. Right? Like, if you were in combat in a pressure situation, sure. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe there's some merit there. Maybe there's some tactical element to getting to cover in time, but you'd need a whole, you know, extra thing for that. It's so arbitrary that it's there. It's not needed in any game. And even worse, it's like flashlights in horror games. It's so unrealistic and takes me out of it. You may think, oh, they run out of breath. That's realistic. Not when I could outrun Commander Shepard. The sprint is so short and brief and the recovery time so long in certainly the first game. The second one's not not, uh, much better. Might even be the same. I can't remember, but... Three is just, you can sprint forever. Mm. It's brilliant. 10 out of 10 for that. Um, no, in liking it. I like Morden. Yeah. That is a good character. So I complained last time about how so many of the characters are just stoic, and that's their thing. I am serious. They don't have personalities, they have motivations. Morden has motivations, but also I love the character that's there, the reasons for the reasons and the actual personality and the the clipped speech is fun there's bits in three where he sings a little little ditty to himself and it's adorable oh i thought you meant the big song number in two he does that big uh the model of a scientist solarium oh was that in two i forget i forget which one's in which yeah his his model of a scientist solarium i I always think very fondly of i can tell that i am nowhere near as horny as i used to be (laughs) it wasn't until i got to the third one that was like oh yeah i didn't bang anyone (laughs) no interest (laughs) just made friends with with morden morden's great yeah so i am very much enjoying it and yeah yeah. That's all. There's not a lot more. I'll, I will maybe have more thoughts when I get to the end. Now that you've finished Mass Effect 2, I think that is a very, very good final act that that has. Like, it does a very good job of feeling the right level of consequences and stakes for like, aha, this is this is the right kind of ending for the adventure you'd been on in that one. Yeah. Yes. And also, you know, because it's the second in a known trilogy they don't have to try and effectively tie up loose ends and 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 it won't matter the stakes there are lower so it works out for everyone yeah just stop at mass effect 2 and (laughs) you know what honestly mass effect 3 is not a bad game i like that game and i support the ending that they went with originally yeah and you know don't at me i i agree 
I, I kind of wish they'd stuck their guns with it. Yep. <laughs> is that everything we've played, or has anyone got anything uh, else they've played to finish up on? Yeah, I can't remember any of the shitty fucking licensed Game Boy games I played on the train back from Pittsburgh. Well, there there's one more that I, I wanted to bring up, which is West of Dead. I've heard that name. Yeah, this is that top-down shootery one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a Wild West-themed... Um, journey through hell or through purgatory mm. so purgatory is represented in this sort of wild west setting with you know a town and mines to explore and canyons and you know things that are appropriate for that aesthetic and and theme uh you are the trapped spirit seemingly of a sheriff who had an altercation with a preacher and that preacher is now in purgatory preventing souls from moving on and so it's a roguelike top-down twin stick shooter that's very deliberate uh in its pacing because your weapons don't fire very quickly they have to be reloaded you have pretty limited ammunition it's very cover focused um so you'll move into these rooms and there's a light dark mechanic to where if a region of the room is dark, you don't get to really see where enemies are. And you get a little bit of aim assist in the light also, which is very helpful. That You, you could still hit an enemy if it's there, if you know for a fact that it's there, mm -hmm. or even just are guessing wildly in aim. You can hit an enemy, and then you're like, oh shit, there's an enemy there, I can finish them off. But when you turn the lights on, oh shit, they appear. They'll shoot at you out of the dark. You could also find them that way, and that's helpful. But when you turn the lights on, it stuns anyone that's in close proximity to it. So there's some strategy to moving into a room and hitting a light and stunning enemies, taking them out real quick, and then dashing into cover. That's really satisfying. It has traversal upgrades that you receive after defeating each of the bosses uh, along the way that give you access to more, basically more options in each level as you mo move through. Part of it is giving you access to routing through new paths, but a lot more of it is getting access to more opportunities for different weapons in each zone. So you'll encounter these doors that need, you need a special upgrade to break through. And on the other side of that, there will be a charm or a passive use item or a better gun that you might want to get. That's just of a different type to get your build out. You get more opportunities for that as it goes along the way, which is nice. It does have some problems. Some of them are, are comical and fun and work to your advantage. The AI really has a tendency to get hung up on some actions relating to cover, particularly if they start sliding back and forth, sliding across cover to the other side of it. They might hop back and then just slide in the other direction again and do that until either the cover is destroyed or they are. It's funny when it happens and I take advantage of it. And I don't mind that so much, uh, but things I mind a bit more when you get into the end game, um, and it's not a particularly long game, which is nice, actually. And you can conceivably make it through the first, like, three chapters of the game in a single run. If you were 
playing really well. Mm. That fourth one requires you to come and do a separate run to accomplish it. And this is where the, the issue comes in. To finish this run, you have to encounter three characters that are placed at random along the way or in, in three of the areas. And you can't visit all the areas that's branching paths. So you're supposed to get clues to indicate what the correct path is. And it's not clear that these work. In fact, I'm pretty sure they, they're broken. Because in the first area, both directions you can go seem positive. And then if I go to one of them, both of the directions in the next one seem negative. And it just seems very confusing in terms of, all right, am I going the right way or not? And, you know, I didn't encounter the guy, even though it made it, you know, it suggested that I was going to find them here. And in order to defeat the last boss of the game, you have to have had the encounters with all three in a single run. So it's a bit not perfect in that respect. It is a little frustrating uh, that that exists. And it runs into the same Dead Cells problem of spending resources that you acquire in a run on unlocking new stuff that's just going to pollute the pool and it forces you to spend them. So I'm actively trying to avoid picking up orbs that are attracted to me from a great distance. And I find that to be a little bit frustrating, but it's a, it's a fun game and it's on Game Pass. And if you have Game Pass and you want to try a roguelike that's a bit different, I, I would recommend checking it out. It's visually really stark with this uh, sort of dirty cell shading uh, throughout I like it, and I keep playing it in spite of the frustrations that I'm having with it at this point. So uh, I would check it out, uh, West of Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have we got time for some news? Let's do it. We got we got some newsy bits. Where shall we start? Here's just like what a quick one in passing. Hey, remember Ubisoft who haven't ever addressed any of the problems that they need to address with abuse within that company? Oh, I've heard about that. Is that the company that spent years protecting and promoting sexual abusers and other forms of abusers? That's the one. The very same. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're horrid. The, the one that probably could have, like, uh, had an opportunity to reflect on all of this if the game's media had come together as one in some way and said, you know what, it, this ain't it, fam? Yeah. And didn't review just, like, an Assassin's Creed? Yeah. Yeah. So them, you know how they have a real habit of making things that are very clearly political and going, it's not political, it's not political, we've never done a politics in our life. What's that, a raised fist in the background? That's not politics. Yeah. And it turns out that companies that don't want you to question things can be pretty shady. Yeah. So Far Cry 6, a game that is coming out that is about a, a a big revolution happening in Cuba. During an interview with The Gamer, initially a, a spokesperson for Ubisoft stated that the game was not going to make a political statement, and then they've had to come back and make a lengthy second statement that says, yeah, it will include hard, relevant discussions about... Uh, f fascism and imperialism and and LGBT rights and of, of our story is political. It has to be. Of course it is. It's interesting. I see why this director comes out and says this, because there's a bit of an interpretation and clarity issue with what they had originally said. Yeah. What they what they had said is we're not trying to make an explicit political statement on Cuba right now in our real world. Yes. You know, or its revolution. And that was probably not as explicit as it needed to be, but also 
you know, this is a company where we, we expect them to say, no, this isn't political. It's all they've ever done. Because it's all they've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, maybe this is all of the progress that they've been telling us that they've been making within the company is acknowledging publicly that their games are political. I mean, I mean, I, I might have given them more credit if they had, you know, outright said, yes, our game is political rather than having to come and clarify it later. But it's an acknowledgement. This is more than they usually do. And And boy, you know, when you think about the things that they could have changed within that company... This is the one that was important. This is the one that mattered. <laughs> this is the one that, you know, we all looked at it and said, oh, you're so full of shit, but whatever at this whoa, point. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ubisoft sent an email. <gasps> Come on. <laughs> an email? An email. Uh... Other stories we got this week. Borderlands 3. Not a game I particularly care about, but apparently crossplay has been in the work for this game, in the works for this game for a while, and the development team finally finished work on the big patch that was going to add crossplay to all the platforms, and then at the last minute, it was decided that PlayStation wouldn't be supported in crossplay. It was decided that Randy Pitchford could make a big fucking stink and get a bunch of attention if he said that, if he decided not to put it on PlayStation for crossplay and give them the revenue share they demand. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of, that's the way I feel about that's, that's, this. That's the way I read this. So what it, what it feels like is that the reasoning for it not being there is probably because now that we know from the, the Epic and Apple lawsuit, we know that Sony asks for fees that no one else asks for when it comes to crossplay. And developing that patch, presumably knowing full well that Sony's going to ask you to pay, and then pulling it out of the patch and going, mm, mm, we're not going to tell you why, but, but mm, it's mm, so, mm, Sony's fault. It's Sony's fault. It's not coming to Sony. And letting people, you know, fill in the blanks. It does feel like a, we don't want to pay Sony money, so we're going to make a public stink and hope that Sony backs down. That's how it comes across. Mm. It's interesting... Now that we know this information about Sony, because it's going to shed very specific light anytime a story like this comes up. I'm going to be very interested to see if there are enough people who actually give a shit about Borderlands 3. And, you know, maybe there are. Like, I don't know. I just know from my position, I'm thinking, okay, so a game that's been out on consoles, you know... It hasn't been out on consoles for a while, or is it just coming to consoles? It's been on consoles for a while. Okay. People are going to care now? Yeah, that's the thing. I Like, if this had been an issue at the launch of the game, I could see a fucking uproar. That, that's the thing. I think it's going to do less damage to Sony this. But I wonder if this will be the first of many we get where companies that have new games releasing will start talking about, hey... There's a reason why crossplay is not coming to Sony. Sony's the reason. Hmm. And maybe that will make a difference, but who knows? The reason is money. Yes. The reason is money. Sony wants money. Companies don't want to give it to Sony. Yes. Um, we did get a little bit of Sony news that was interesting. Sony put out some big infographic of a bunch of information about their consoles. Most of it is marketing dubbins, but interesting fact that that is just nice to know 41 percent of ps4 or ps5 owners are women which like 
this is a thing we all know. Women mm-hmm. play video games about as much as men. But, like, so often when you get stats about percentages of women that play video games, it gets hand-waved away by shitty gamer bros as, oh, well, they're counting, they're counting mobile, mobile games. That's, yeah. the only, that's the only reason that it's getting anywhere close to 50-50, because mobile games. Casual gaming. Yeah. And this is a stat that exists to be like, no, no, we're talking, we're talking, you know, we're talking your hard, your hardcore gamers, your console gamers, your whatever you want, whatever you want to get to. We're coming up on 50-50 parity within within the industry. There are more women playing video games than there are hardcore gamers TM. Oh, 100%. 100%. And if we could just get them all together in a room and settle this. <laughs> yeah, women would have it. So yeah, that's some news we got. And then... Hey, remember how we were talking about EA earlier and how they're shit? How they're terrible and they're a bad company that that does bad microtransactions? EA made $1.62 billion from Ultimate Team in the last financial year. Wasn't it like $3,000 a minute or something stupid? Yeah, the maths are pretty fucking ridiculous. I would call it a money printing machine, but I doubt that you could make a machine that would print money that fast. They're making money faster than you could physically print it. Well, what I don't know, what size, what build denominations are we talking about here? Yeah, you could probably crank out $3,000 a second. Yeah, three thousand dollars a minute. It's oh, a minute. Oh, definitely. Yeah, between the print and cut yeah. process. Yeah, easily. Easily. And remember, EA said, and this is a quote from a while back: "The majority of our players don't spend, so that's three k a minute they are sucking out of." And I've spoken to people who have spent money on these games. They are not rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a misconception that whales are wealthy. It's not true. It's something companies tell you to placate you so you don't have to feel guilty when you buy their right. product. You should all go watch both me and Steph's videos about microtransactions and how they're abusive because yes. they're fucking abusive. In fact, this Monday, this past Monday, uh, we had a, a video called Electronic Arts is Evil Actually, which yep. talks about exactly what EA is doing so shamelessly and how it weakly tries to defend itself in ways that only make this situation sound worse they're scum fifa ultimate team is pure filth yeah go check out my video how microtransactions prey on disabled gamers is a whole video about the various groups of disabled gamers that get fucked over by microtransactions ultimate team is the fucking worst example out there of it Real bad. Very much. I think that's it for this week. Did anyone have anything else they wanted to... I'm hungry for steak and I've got one in the fridge. There you go. Yeah. No, I'm good. Yeah. Well, in that case, while I chow down, some people might want to consume more content. And where can they get that if they wanted yours, Laura? Well, if you want more of my content from from the all-powerful moon goddess Archangel, you can find it at Laura K. Buzz. Uh, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, Twitch, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, Accessibility goes up on YouTube every Friday. Books. I'm just going to talk about one of my books this week. Gender Euphoria comes out... June 10th, that is next Thursday, a week from now. By the time the next episode has released, my book will be out. It's a book of just non-cis people's positive gender-affirming stories. Do you need a bit of positivity during Pride Month of like, hey, fewer of the shitty stories and more just 
trans people getting to live their lovely lives, go check out Gender Euphoria. That'll be out next week. Other than that, there are various podcasts I do. Pixel Squirt, it's about video game character pornography. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, it's where I talk about the things that I I consume media-wise that aren't video games. And Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Every season's its own story. Jump in wherever you like. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Conrad, you used to be on that. I sure did. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, I stream on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. You could also buy some anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. Now with greatly reduced international shipping uh, or audiobooks at conradreads.com. You could support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark, and you can hear me on some other podcasts like Let's Talk About Snacks with Lauren Morgan and Linda Camiolo, where I talk about, you guessed it, snacks. Boston's Favorite Son, which I think there should be a new one of those coming soon. May already be out by the time we do, maybe. Maybe, so that that look forward to that. Uh, and Spinoff Doctors uh, should be recording a new episode of that pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do those with James Stephanie Sterling, who, get this, also has a Patreon. I know this. I know this. I do. It is patreon.com slash gymquisition. Um, so yeah, you can go on there and support it if you want. Uh, also, just a quick reminder again, that is uh, 6.17, June 17th, Enjoy Wrestling's YouTube channel, the first episode of Canned Heat Drops, I Am In It, and several other weekly episodes after that, and June 19th, Rise uh, Wrestling Returns um, in Pittsburgh, and yeah, stay tuned for details on that, I'll have more details. Uh, that's it, come screaming into my sensual love hole, we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye! <laughs>